Father, Lord, we thank you for the Sabbath day that you've given us. Lord, a very high Sabbath where we saw a life commit his life for you for not just here on earth, but eternity. Lord, we thank you that you made that all possible by dying on the cross. Father, we appreciate that. It blows our minds to think about that. But Lord, you love us that much. Help us to love you back. We pray in your name. Amen. Brockton did a fabulous job reading our scripture verse. He read it in the New King James Version, which I like a little bit better. Now, I read out of the King James Version 99% of the time when I preach. But here the New King James Version gets it just a little bit more accurately than the King James. If you're reading the King James today, that commandment said, Thou shalt not kill, right? In the New King James, what does it say? Thou shalt not murder. murder. There's a big difference between killing and murdering, isn't there? And we're going to go into that briefly a little bit today, but that's not going to be the focus of our message. Now, I don't know, but have you ever gone over the Ten Commandments before? And I know that I have, and I'm guilty of this. But have you ever gone over the Ten Commandments before? And maybe consciously, or maybe in your subconscious, you're thinking, okay, Sabbath, I've blown that before. Committing adultery, I've blown that too. I shall not steal. Yeah, I've blown that. And then finally we get to the commandment, thou shalt not murder. And you smile to yourself and say, well, at least I haven't killed anybody. Right? I've seen many people do that before. And here what we're going to be talking about is that when that commandment says thou shalt not kill, it's not just talking about physically. You know, the very fact that God had to include in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, shows how far gone humanity really is. The thought that humanity would take a life shows how low we really have come. You know, as I have been seeing the news briefly, I don't spend much time on it, but I keep up a little bit. As I've been seeing the news, and and I love to read history and things of that nature, it's a miracle that humanity is still even around. The only reason that mankind is still here with all the weaponry that we have and the hatred that we possess isn't because that some government has made a stalemate, but it's because our Heavenly Father has a protecting hand over us as a human race. I want to tell you a story, and this is for the young people as well as it is for the adults. But I read a story many years ago in a a book. It was called Tiger and Tom. And it was an older edition, and it included a story that isn't included in the new one. And it tells the story of a little boy named Joe. Joe was about nine years old. And he had been kind of battling his mom a little bit over the past few weeks. Now, I know those of you with children, you you never battle with your kids at all, do you? They're never rebellious. And Well, this mother knew that with her rebellious child that she had lost her temper a few times. She also knew that he was being obstinate. And he came down to the breakfast table one day after these few weeks of just very obstinate behavior. And his favorite cereal or something of that matter wasn't there. And as he looked at his mother there sitting across the table from him, he did something that was completely uncalled for over such a trivial matter. But he looked at his mother dead in the face and said, I hate you, mom. And then slapped her across the face. Then stood up and went to school. Now, as he was there sitting at his desk, he knew that he had gone over the line 
a little bit. Until he felt a tap on his shoulder and he turned around to see his teacher and his teacher informed him that his mother was in the hospital. And he went to the hospital there and saw his mother on her deathbed. And as he looked at his mother unconscious, she died right before his very eyes. The doctors couldn't explain it. The only thing they could say is that she died of a broken heart. And the last words that this young boy spoke to her mother, his mother was, I hate you. And she died. It's a solemn story, isn't it? For the rest of his life, that young man had to deal with that. Is it possible to murder somebody spiritually? I think that's a prime example of it. Let's go to a verse here, and you probably knew I was going to go here, but go to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. And here we see that Jesus agrees with this commandment. But he takes it to the next level, which he loves to do, doesn't he? I love how he expands upon the Old Testament. He didn't come to do away with it, but what did he come to do? To fulfill it. It's fulfilling and doing away with the same thing. It's not. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start here in verse 21. It says this. You have heard that it was said by them of old time... Thou shalt not what? So he's looking back where? At Exodus. Saying, you've heard that it's said, you shall not uh, kill. But then he goes on and says, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a, a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, which in today's translation or English would, in my terms, basically say, I hate you, right? Whoever says to his brother, I hate you, or Raka, what does the verse say? Shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says, thou fool, shall be in danger of what? Is it possible to murder somebody spiritually? I remember a young man who had just come into the faith. He was about 20 years old or a little bit more than that. And he was excited. Do you remember back... For those of you that have been baptized or you found Jesus for the first time, can you remember back to when you first came to the realization of who Jesus was and what he really meant and how on fire you were? Do you remember that? And this young man was on fire. He was given Bible studies. There were people that were going to be going to the baptismal tank because of this young man. And he was just stoked, for lack of a better term. And as he was saying this, he went to some dear old lady in the pew. Now, this is nothing against our seasoned members because we need you. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? That gray hair is necessary because it means you have wisdom. Or it should. And this young man went up to this lady and said, and he very boldly said, Why are you guys so stagnant? Aren't you excited about what we have? Like, open the word of God and just see Aren't you just blown away? How can you not share it? And this lady, and I may have told this story before, this lady looked at that young man and said, just give it a few months and you'll be just like the rest of us. And that man's face flushed of all joy. What was that lady really saying? She was saying, just give it a few months and you'll be in our comfortable Laodicean state. Just give it a few months 
and you'll be happy to sit on the pews and come to Sabbath school and then go home and do nothing about what you've learned. Praise the Lord, that young man hasn't done that. He's still on fire. But that was written down in the books of heaven, wasn't it? Is it possible to kill somebody spiritually? Words can kill, can't they? Beliefs can kill. Another part of this scripture that is a touchy subject in today's world that I didn't realize isn't murdering other people. And I'm not talking about murdering, murdering somebody spiritually, but what I'm talking about is self-murder, the subject of suicide. Now, I had been realizing that there have been a few more suicides of late than normal. One of them hit close to home to me a few months ago. My cousin's husband committed suicide. One of my church members in Big Rapids, his nephew committed suicide. And then, not to be too graphic, but I want to let you know that this, these things are happening. A young nine-year-old girl, I believe her age was, she might have been 11, but in that range, went on Facebook Live in front of an audience of hundreds of people and committed that act for all to see. It's not just happening, it's becoming popular. As I looked at the statistics, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. 10th. 44,965 die every year because of this suicide. That's like, and to put that in, into some type of a, of a number so we can understand it, it would be like Grand Rapids, it would be like Big Rapids with school in session times a half. Big Rapids is about 30,000 people. Add another 15,000 onto it, and that's how many people commit suicide every year. And what continued to blow my mind was for every suicide that is successful, 25 attempt it and are unsuccessful. And the people that are most commonly affected, and I say this today because there's a lot of us in this room, because I'm 22. There's some of you that are a little older than me, a little younger than me. But it affects young white men between the age of 20 and 30 the most. That's the demographic of people that commit suicide the most. And the question that always comes up with suicide is this. Are they going to be saved? You've been asked that question, haven't you? You've been asked the question... Is my niece, is my grandmother, is whoever it is, is that person going to be saved? And I've heard many people say, of course, they will be saved. I've heard other people say, anybody who commits suicide is going straight to hell. Have you heard that before too? Oh, yeah. But today I want to tell you this, and it's not a cop-out because I'm going to explain it a little bit. Praise the Lord that God is the judge. Amen. Because there are people in our world today that have never been given the hope of what God can do in their life. That little girl that did that public act in front of hundreds of people on Facebook Live, we looked into her life a little bit and she was being abused every day by her father. Her mother wasn't any better. They were not Christians. She did not know the peace and joy that a Christian life should have. And so she ended it all. Do you think that she's going to be saved? I think that God will judge her according to what she knew. Would you agree? The people that have that mental imbalance that causes them to commit suicide or the people that have no hope in what who God is because they don't know God and they've never been shared with about God because I've been being too lazy to do it. 
Statistics show, and I'm not trying to scare anybody, but statistics show that there are people in this very room who are currently struggling with the thoughts of suicide. And if you're not struggling with it right now, statistics show that you have in your past or you will in your future at some point. And I don't know what your reason is. I don't know if it's because you're lonely. I don't know if it's because the IRS is after you. I don't know if it's the burden of tax season coming and you're just done with it all. People have done it for that. Whatever it is, we're going to be learning today that God is always the answer. He can fill that void in your heart that you cannot seem to fill up with anything on this earth. And people are looking to fill that. And there's a book that was written called The God-Shaped Hole, right? People are looking to fill that God-shaped hole over and over and over again, but they can't fill it because the only one that can is their Heavenly Father. I want to take you to a verse here. Go to 1 John chapter 5. I love how it spells it out so clearly. 1 John chapter 5. First John chapter five, eleven and twelve. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say have mercy. Okay, there's a couple. That's okay. First John five, eleven and twelve. And he says it so clearly. First John five, eleven says this, and this is the record that God hath given to us what? Eternal life. And that this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath what? Brothers and sisters, I would appeal you today that there are many people in Christianity. There are many people in our world today that aren't committing physical suicide, but they're committing spiritual suicide. And what do I mean by that? Jesus is the answer to eternal life. Amen. And if we knowingly reject Christ, we see there in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is what? And who's the only one that can counteract that? It's our Savior. We all know what we're doomed to do. And if we reject Christ and the beliefs that he wants us to believe, I am committing spiritual suicide if I reject Jesus. Because Jesus is the only life source. Did you know that? The reason for sin and death today is because we have cut off our life source and are moving further and further away from him. The only way that we can have eternal life is to let Jesus live eternally in us. Because we're mortals. It's only God who can give us that immortality. So today, my friends, when you're talking about people that are committing suicide physically, that's something that we need to be talking about. And are they saved? Well, the God is the judge. But are you committing spiritual suicide? You know that the word of God tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have what? And if we reject that gift that God has given us, then what are we doing? We're going to die. And if we're willingly attempting and willing to do that, then I'm not just committing suicide here on this earth, but it's eternal. This is a far bigger problem, isn't it? I believe that it's something that is plaguing us today. There's a few examples of this in the Bible. 
the one that always comes to mind is Judas, right? Judas committed that act, didn't he? It says in the Gospels that before all this took place, that a demon entered inside of Judas. Do you remember that? And then Judas, in his grief and his guilt and everything that he was feeling for selling the Son of God for a few pieces of silver, couldn't handle it. And he took his own life. And the Bible's pretty clear that the son of perdition isn't going to be making it to heaven. I believe that there are those who have committed suicide that will be in heaven. And I also believe that there will be many people who are Christians that have committed suicide and not be in heaven because they didn't rely upon God. Do you think that God, do you think that the Son of Man, do you think that Jesus could have fixed Judas' problem? Can you imagine what testimony Judas would have had if he had repented and stayed with the twelve? He would have had the power to say, I was the one that did the very act of killing the Son of God. I was the traitor in the camp. I was the one that sold him for a mere few pieces of silver. And yet he still has it in himself to save me. Wouldn't that have been powerful? You look at Saul back in the books of Samuel. King Saul, his armor bearer, Saul had left the Lord and rejected him. And because he rejected him, he couldn't communicate with God anymore. So what did he do? He went and he enticed a witch, didn't he? And then he went into battle after that and he saw that all hope was lost. And so he asked his armor bearer to kill him and he wouldn't. So he killed himself by falling on his own sword. I think the Bible's pretty clear that he's not going to be in heaven either. Do you know why? Because they knew where to get peace. They knew where to fill that hole. And they were so obstinate. They were so full of pride or whatever it may have been that they rejected the answer. And rejecting that, they lost eternal life forever. But brothers and sisters, God doesn't want that to happen. Amen? Amen. I want to turn to a verse that is extremely comforting. Maybe you're having thoughts of this right now. I preached this in a church a few months ago. Well, I can tell you the name or who. But I was in this church and I knew some of the people there well. And after this message was preached, two or three of the most spiritual people in the, con- in the congregation came up to me individually at separate times and said, we struggle with this every day. I was completely deceived. It could be any one of us. But let's look at this verse, shall we? Go to the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 34. It's a precious promise here for whatever you're going through. Psalms chapter 34, verse 18 and 19. Psalms 34, 18 and 19 says this, The Lord is nigh or near. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart. Do you have a broken heart today? The Lord is near to you. The Lord is near unto them that are of a broken heart and saves such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him 
out of them all. I don't know what it may be today that you're struggling with or that's bringing you down or dragging you down. But if you have a broken heart and a broken spirit, it's exactly where God wants you to be. Because in His weakness, in our weakness, God is stronger. I guarantee you that if you talk to James about this, he'll give you his testimony. And I can say this because he's given me permission to in the past. James had a hole in his life, didn't you? And he was trying to fill it with other things. Until finally he realized that the peace that he had been seeking had been under his nose for a long time. In Revelation, it says that Jesus is knocking at the door. And Jesus doesn't want to barge in and take complete control of your life and be a dictator. But Jesus wants to heal your broken heart. And someday when Jesus is working on that heart, because I'll tell you as your pastor, Jesus is still working on my heart. I tend to be abrasive. I tend to be so knowledgeable that I just... There was one time in my life when my wife was not, um, she wasn't happy. She was depressed and we weren't dating or even engaged yet. We were just friends. And she told me one day, she said, I'm depressed. And I looked at her and smiled and said, well, you're not close to God enough. You should read your Bible more. There's no such thing as depression. <laughs> what arrogance. Jesus is still working on your pastor's heart to soften it. I'm just a work in progress. And I believe that Jesus is willing to start construction on your heart and life as well. Don't end it short. Because He has a lot to do for us yet. Let's turn to one more verse here. Let's go to Revelation. And this is a verse that many of you are familiar with. Revelation, we're going to be looking here at 21. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. I want you to imagine, if you will, someone I was giving Bible studies to. He was from the country of Haiti. And he wasn't just and your typical guy. This guy was brilliant. He knew four languages. He knew French. He knew English. He knew Spanish. He knew Italian. He was working on his fifth. He had his law degree in two different countries and was working to get it in his, the United States. This man knew what he was talking about. And he had read literature and lots of it. He was well-educated. And as we were giving Bible studies to him, I knew that he was addicted to alcohol. It was something that he couldn't give up. In fact, he lost his practice in Haiti because he got so drunk one night that he cheated on his wife and his reputation was ruined. And so he came to the United States. And as he was here, we read for the first time what we're about to read in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. Notice what it says, Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. 
There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This was the first time that this man had ever heard those verses. And he wept. Read that text like you've never read it before. Read that text as if it's your first time and realize what it really means. There's not just some place that many other religions believe that we're going to be in some nirvana somewhere. Or it's not going to happen in a thousand years. But brothers and sisters, I believe Jesus is coming soon. He's right around the bend. And if you don't think that Jesus is right around the bend, then you're deceived. Because the signs are everywhere. And the devil's out to deceive. But wouldn't it be a shame if we ended our chance to be with Christ for eternity because we wouldn't be with Him here on earth? It would break His heart to have a mansion for you in heaven. And He's ready to lead you to it hand by hand. And you want to go to that place and you want to be with Him forever someday. But for some reason, you just can't trust Him here on earth. The only way that we're going to have eternal life is to let Jesus live eternally in us. I want to end with this example. I grew up on a cherry farm, as you all know. And I don't know if you've pruned before, if you've pruned fruit trees or grapes or anything like that. But man, when you, when you prune with these loppers, because my dad was old school, he, he had a chainsaw, but who needs that? So I think it was for my own good. And so he gave me these loppers and he gave me five acres of cherries and said, have at it. This is what you do. I was like, okay. And you know, after a couple of hours of that, your shoulders get really sore. <laughs> and because your shoulders get sore, you get a little weaker. And sometimes you cut a branch and move on. You didn't quite cut it through all the way. So it's just kind of hanging there, you know, just by a few threads. And what's, what's crazy about this is you can leave it hanging there with just a few strands of bark left. And you can come back in the spring and that branch, severed as it is, is still alive. Barely. It's just hanging. There's just a few threads of life connected to the tree And if those two, three lines were severed, it'd be dead. There's leaves on it, a few, normally. But they're focusing so much on staying alive, these branches, that there's no fruit. How connected to God are you? Because if you are just hanging there by a few strands, If you were just hanging there in a Laodicean state where you really don't know who he is, you just claim that you do, you're just barely living. And life has a habit of throwing curveballs in our way and a lot of people snap. I'm tired of being a complacent Christian. I'm tired of just barely staying alive. I'm tired of just barely deceiving other church members so that they think I'm spiritual. I want to be producing fruit. I don't want to just be living. I want to be living for God. I will live for God. I'm going to have the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness and all the things that are included there because if you're filled with the Spirit of the Lord, do you think that you're going to be tempted with thoughts of ending your life? Invite Him into your heart. It works. I've seen it over and over and over again. What's holding you back? Don't just be hanging there barely alive, but be connected to Jesus because that's the only way we'll live eternally and that's the only way we're going to live a joyous life here on earth. Let's pray. Father, Lord, you have blessed us today. Lord, it's always a high Sabbath when someone commits their life to you in a public demonstration of baptism. Father, we know that the devil isn't just angry with James, but it says in Revelation that the dragon is wroth with us, the church, us all individually. Father, help us not to be cut off before Judgment Day, but help us to be fully leaning and reliant and connected to you, we pray. In your name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org. Dot org.